0: Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And let's read one verse there to open this second service that will tie us back to what we closed the first service with. Revelation chapter 3. And verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Is it black or red print in your Bibles? So it's being spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Was he sincere? Is it a pretty incredible offer? Is he stating something pretty incredible? That he stands at the door and knocks. He wants in. Will we let him in? This is for fellowship. It's not for salvation. This is sent to a church. It's not how everyone else uses the verse. But the verse is beautiful. The verse is wonderful. We should embrace the verse. We should let him in. Lord Jesus Christ, come in to our church and to me. And you should be saying it to me. I want them to come into me. I do not want to be like this church at Laodicea that thought so highly of themselves. In verse 17, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That is not true. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I stand at the door and knock. It's consistent with John 14. 21 and 23, consistent with John 8 and verse 28, there that Jesus, God had not left Jesus alone but was with him. And he is with us and will be with us more to the degree we love and obey him and serve him. We cut ourselves off from his blessings by not obeying him. And we believe that. It's seen throughout the pages of Scripture that the righteous are blessed and the wicked or the foolish are denied. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Dear Lord, we thank you for this second assembly, and we thank thee for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that for that church at Laodicea, he was ready, willing, eager, standing, knocking. All they had to do was open the door, open the door, all they had to do was open the door, and he would come in and sup with them and and them with him. Heavenly Father, we open the door to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want a Christ centric church, not just in doctrine, but we want it in experiential fellowship with Him. Come in, Lord Jesus, and sup with us. We love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us, but more than that, we love Thee as the Lord of glory, and Your Father delights in You, and You rule the universe, and You're perfect in glorious power and majestic wisdom. And we praise you for all your attributes and love you because of them. Come in and fellowship with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. We closed the first service with John chapter 8 and verse 29 that God had not left Jesus alone. And then we went to John chapter 14, verses 21 and 23, and saw there that God will not leave us alone in a way of practical fellowship and relationship with us, but will make his abode with us, he and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will manifest themselves to us, and they will abide with us forever if we will keep their commandments and love them. I want you to think about a particular man. And he's found first in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Amen. If you doubted, John 14, 21 and 23. If you doubt, Revelation three twenty. In the first case, that God and his son will come and abide with you and dwell in you and manifest themselves to you if you doubt that or if you doubt that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking I want to tell you about a man I want to tell you about a man that the Bible says was the seventh from Adam and his name was Enoch and he was not he just disappeared out of this world because he was too far away from the Lord so the Lord just took him He was a prophet. And do you know what you just sang? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. Are you looking forward to that? Paul said that there is a crown of righteousness reserved in heaven for me. Speaking of himself, because he had fought a good fight. He had kept the faith and he had finished his course. But he said there is a crown of righteousness also for all them that love his appearing. Look at this man. This is is a different kind of uh, genealogy because in verse 20 it says, and he died. In verse 27 it says, and he died. But in verse 24 it says, and he was not, for God took him. Has God made creatures and saved them through Christ that he loves so much that he can't wait for Enoch to die? and he just takes him to heaven, that is the case. Don't doubt John 14, don't doubt Revelation 3.20, and don't doubt this. This is a wonderful story. And this isn't the only place in the Bible. We've got to go to two other places before we can go to John 8 about this man Enoch. Let's go find out about his prophecy. And that's in the little epistle of Jude. In Jude, we're going to get a prophecy of Enoch... And you're going to tell what excited him. And he was a long way from it. We are not nearly as far from it. The Apostle Paul would say in Romans chapter 13 that now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Well, if that was true for Paul, how much for us? Here 2,000 years later, Jude, the epistle of Jude, there before the book of Revelation, verse 14, and Enoch also... The seventh from Adam prophesied of these, that is the wicked men, in the previous context, saying, Behold, this is, this is an early prophecy that we don't know about until we read to the 65th book of the Bible. <laughs> Progressive revelation. Right. You don't know the names of Pharaoh's magicians until you get to 2 Timothy chapter 3, mm-hmm. but you find them out in the New Testament. Because it's all written by one author. The timing of the men's lives that wrote it doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay. Jude, in verse 14, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But I want you to notice the word ungodly occurs four times in verse 15, and Enoch was looking forward to the Lord coming and getting rid of the ungodly. Behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints... Those are his mighty angels. That's not you and me in this particular case. You say, but it says saints. A saint is a sanctified one. And if you, will, if you will study the Bible about the Lord coming down on Mount Sinai, it says he came with his saints. But in other places, it says he came with his angels. It's another word for angels. But the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the rest of the Bible, is coming with his angels. As 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So this man, Enoch, delighted... In the Lord's second coming, his second coming, 3,000 years in front of his first coming. But he already saw that and he delighted in it. Do you remember the angel and the inkhorn? A sermon preached to you a number of years ago from Ezekiel chapter 9. The angel and the inkhorn that the Lord called the angels that had weapons of slaughter. Weapons of mass destruction to appear before him to send them into the city of Jerusalem and to kill the, the ungodly of all their ungodly speeches and of all their ungodly deeds that they were doing in the city of Jerusalem and in the temple. And he also called an angel with an inkhorn, and sent that angel with the inkhorn through the city of Jerusalem to take a little bit of ink and mark them on their foreheads so that the angels with the slaughter weapons would not kill them. Do you remember that? That's Ezekiel chapter 9. How did you get an ink spot on your forehead so that the slaughtering angels would not kill you? You sighed and cried because of the abominations going on around you. The ungodly people with their ungodly deeds and their ungodly speeches that they have done in an ungodly way bothered you. Does it bother you today? You can be like Enoch. It can bother you. You can look forward and love the appearing of Jesus Christ. And you can walk with God by keeping his commandments. What else do we know? Now, Genesis didn't say anything. It just said he walked with God and was not, for God took him. What else do we know about this man's character and reputation? We turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where he has an entrance there in the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, do not doubt John 14. Do not doubt Revelation 3. They are as true as any verse in the Bible. Do not doubt Genesis 5, Jude, Hebrews 11, about Enoch. We are the sons of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We are not like the angels of heaven. They're our servants. They're the outer circle. We're the inner circle. We've been over this so many times. This is a tremendous blessing. God loves his children. And when his children delight in their father and keep their father's commandments, just like on earth, it pleases a father's heart very much. This pleases God's heart. He will draw nigh to us. He will embrace us with more love. There is every negative and every positive encouragement to keep the commandments of God in the Bible. And John 14, 21 and 23 were positive. Hebrews 11. We have Abel in verse 4. We have Noah in verse 7. We have Enoch in verse 5. And we have you in verse 6. But let's get Enoch first. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony... That he pleased God. That he pleased God. Can you be like Enoch? You can please God. Why had God not left Jesus alone? Without turning to John chapter eight, he God. because he pleased God, he did those things that pleased God. God has not left me alone. He is with me. God was with Enoch, and we're told. In Hebrews, no one in the Old Testament knew about Enoch to the degree of detail that we know because of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. Because before his translation, before God took him, he pleased God. If we please God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will draw nigh to us and abide with us and manifest themselves to us. Can I get your attention? This happened to a man we don't need to disappear to be close to God. He can come and dwell within us. Ephesians 3:14 through 19 describe it as being filled with all the fullness of God. That's good enough right down here. Don't doubt it. For those of you that have ever experienced it, you know that it's true. For those of you that haven't experienced it, it is true. For those of you that have experienced it, you're not experiencing it right now, it's your fault. It's not God's fault. If you'll pursue him and seek him and pray for it, like Paul prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, if you'll keep his commandments and you'll root some evil out of your life and you will love his second coming more than being on earth right now yourself, and if you will delight in him, you can have it. Because verse 6 is for you. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you believe that there is a God and diligently seek him, he will come to you in the same way, in a similar way, that he came to Enoch. He'll come to you in a way better than Enoch had. He'll come to you with the Holy Spirit that's been given to the church and is dwelling within us. He'll come and make his abode with us. The Lord Jesus Christ will come and make his abode with us by his Spirit, as we read in those passages. That's enough. Let's turn to John chapter 8.